Welcome back to the Crimson Forest. We can't say where exactly in the Crimson Forest, but far. So very far from home and Cobbler's Gulch. Episode 20. The Babbling Brook. Hazel and her orphan brothers take a moment to enjoy the quiet after Zip saved them from all the nastiness of goblins, of Boggart, Slagrit, and Eek. At last, they help Zip to his feet. <laughs> oh, thank you. And they all peer over the edge of the cliff. Down below, the goblins have already disappeared into the forest with the plate-backed woogle and the mysterious sack. Well, that was a nice change. Oh, how you be doing it? I'm not sure. Elwood takes a moment to examine Zip's face, eyes, and tongue to check for any psychic signs or clues as to his recent heroism. Did you do anything different? I don't think I did anything different. I'm sure of it. Nothing different at all. Were you thinking of giant porcupines? No, how could I think of giant porcupines? I've never seen a giant porcupine. Did you fiddle with your normal routine? What routine? You must have done something the same. He means different. No, I didn't do anything. Not a thing. It's true. He didn't do anything. But he feels a whole bunch. And what he feels is a whole bunch of love. Normally, Zip feels nothing but fear and terror and dread. And it's fear that causes him to change willy-nilly from thing to thing without any practical reason or use. But in the case of goblins threatening fire, it's Hazel's concern for her brother orphans, for their well-being over her own, that blots out the fear in Zip and makes his chest melt. The next thing he knows, he's a bucket of water, followed by a giant porcupine. Which is a whole lot better than what it probably would have been otherwise if he'd given in to the fear. A bucket of turpentine and a gust of wind, or maybe a bale of hay and a pair of bellows. What now? What's the plan now? Well, the goblins surely have a fairy. Or at least they be knowing about a fairy's whereabouts. Aye. Yes, but where are they going? The Crimson Forest stretches all the way to Squalmarsh, the Weeping Wastelands, and the Southern Oracle. So it does. Where would we even start looking? The goblins mentioned a name. They did. They did. What be the name that they blabbered? Gretchen. Anyone heard it before? A lot of shaking heads in silence answer as much. Well, I guess we keep walking until we find someone who has. Suddenly, a small trickle of water snakes along the ground. It winds its way around Hazel's boots and in between the dwarves' mucklucks. It figurates around Gruff's and Copper's bare feet and it streams by Elwood's derbies, Oz's moccasins, and Zip's espadrilles. The trickle moves in a way that hypnotizes the orphans. It transfixes them. Suddenly, though, the trickle swells and soon becomes several trickles, a host of rivulets that run together to create a stream, which even more quickly becomes a babbling brook. And quite literally, actually. The babbling brook rises and takes the shape of a woman, a beautiful woman in form and color. Her entire liquid blue figure swirls and whooshes about, 
a turbulent sea brought to life. She has waves for hair that blow in the wind, and a spritz of water rains down from the liquid locks. She is at once formed and formless. Hazel can look right through her and see to the other side, see that she has no bones, no structure. When she moves, ripples expand outward. On her surface, an occasional twig or leaf floats by. Within her depths, schools of fish add color to her otherwise transparent body. I hope you weren't planning on crossing without paying your respects. There was nothing to cross only a moment ago. Well, that hardly seems to matter now, does it? (laughs) I guess not. You guess not? Are you a guessing sort of people, then? Uh, I guess so. I often wonder what accounts for good guesses. Sometimes I think a good guess relies on brains, and other time I think a good guess relies on heart. But I've also heard that a good guess is a matter of guts, and that makes me think about the difference between guts and heart. Well, is is there a difference? Certainly. (laughs) The words are different, but they are merely synonyms. Or does a guess from the guts differ somehow from a heart-driven guess? Any guesses? The orphans waver. Dizzy, no doubt, from the rant that's delivered on a single breath. Uh, the only guess I have is that you like to talk. I know she likes to talk. Lots of words. Lots of them. I'm a babbling brook. She draws closer to them, her waters rising to each of their ankles. Speaking of babbling, of talking, of words, of gabbing, and so on, I love nothing more than a good conversation. And what makes for a good conversation is a good conversation piece. I have amassed quite the collection of winged sandals, a carnivorous gourd, a ring for webbed fingers, a flying carpet, various skeleton keys, clay tablets with half-written stories of the gods, gozer coins, crystal balls, maps of the fountain of youth at the end of the rainbow, and a harp carved of a mother of pearl, a dozen broken wands, an empty bottle that once contained the elixir of life, a swath of sea serpent skin, and 47 sets of beaver teeth. That's a lot of beavers. Wretched vermin beavers are. What have you got against beavers? Ah, the better question is, what have they got against me? Always gnawing on tree trunks, constructing their little dams, making getting from here to there so much more difficult than it needs to be. I mean, honestly, what sort of creature would drive so much pleasure from guaranteeing that I have to reroute my afternoon promenade yet again? I might be made of water, but that doesn't mean I enjoy having to stream through sharp branches and rough bark. I am still a lady, after all. So you yanked their teeth? (gasps) Absolutely not! I would never yank! It's unbecoming. Well, then how did you end up with 47 sets? A lady doesn't discuss such macabre details. And besides, we spent far too much time talking about beavers and their hideous little teeth. I thought you liked talking. Oh, I do. But that particular conversation piece has run its course, and it's high time we begin another conversation. Okay. How about goblin migration? Do you know anything about that? I might. I might not. Well, would you rather babble about the fact that you might, or about the fact that you might not? I'd rather talk about the conversation piece one of you is going to offer me in exchange for a safe passage across my waters. <laughs> huh. Safe passage? We could nearly spit across this. With that, 
The babbling brook rises her waters well over the heads of Lump and Squish. (gasps) (sighs) And to just about every other orphan's chin. The rush of her waters thunders. After each orphan swallows his or her share of water, the babbling brook lowers her waters. And the sound is nothing but a trickle now. A much less violent sound than the roaring waters that just swelled. It would be unwise to underestimate me. Beavers do it all the time. Well, 47 of them have. We're orphans. We don't have much in the way of conversation pieces. Actually, you're probably right. (laughs) But did you know there happens to be a one-eyed giant who lives south of the Devil's Nest, and he just loves the taste of orphans? Apparently, the loneliness and sadness that most of you poor orphans endure is a delicious tenderizer. (laughs) Those emotions live in the heart, and they get pumped into the blood and squished all around your little fleshy bodies, making you soft all over. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's really very interesting. He means terrible. So if we don't give you a conversation piece, you're just going to feed us to a giant? Of course not. (laughs) Oh, well, that's a shame. He means relief. Is it a relief? Because I plan to exchange you. (laughs) There's nothing to be gained from giving. A giant has any number of conversation pieces. They do, after all, engage in all sorts of pilfering and plundering. It's easy for a giant to steal, wouldn't you imagine? Hmm? Apparently, it's not all that difficult for a babbling brook, either. Oi. Unless you'd like to meet the hungry belly of a Cyclopean giant, let's begin this conversation about conversation pieces. The orphans look each other over. They don't have much of anything to offer. Lump and Squish offer their axes. Hmm. Did you use the axes in a great war? (gasps) Or to slay a great monster? Or anything heroic or epic? (laughs) We, uh... Threatened a chattering chuckleberry tree. The babbling brook rolls her eyes, and her waters rise over the heads of Lump and Squish, pulling them into a whirl where they wash this way and that, while the other orphans make their offers. Oz offers several hand-drawn maps in which all of the directions of the compass are wrong. Mm -mm. Elwood offers to tell her fortune, but she doesn't put much stock in a fortune teller who didn't even see her coming, hunchback or no. Zip's about to offer her two tickets to the mistress Drusilla Maestro's unbelievable carnival barge. But instead, he turns into a piece of driftwood. Nope. And before any of them know it, the three of them are whirling and swirling right alongside Lump and Squish. Hazel has nothing to offer either, except for the lilt blossom that she's braided into her hair. Oh, lilt blossom? My dear, you must have some terribly hideous conversations if that's your idea of a conversation piece. It's the last in Cobbler's Gulch. But Hazel, it'd be all you have left to think on your mom and papa. Oi, it's the only thing you've got left of your mom and dad. <gasps> Never mind about the little blossom. Is that mermaid glass? The babbling brook moves closer to Copper, the moisture from her face dampening the skin of Hazel and the pirate orphans. Aye, it be mermaid glass. That is quite a conversation piece. (laughs) Copper's hands move to his chest where the small glass hangs from its kinked silver chain. He's never, ever removed the glass from his neck since the day he first donned it as a toddler. It may as well be a piece of his flesh. 
This would easily secure your safe passage across these waters. For all me mates, too? But it's your good luck charm, Copper. Well, there ain't much good luck if it be letting all me mates get eaten up by a giant. He grabs the chain, breaks it from his neck, and hands it to the babbling brook, who at once whisks it away into her waters and releases the other orphans from the whirlpool. With a whoosh of breakwater, they flush out onto the ground near Hazel, Gruff, and Copper. Gruff looks at his pirate brother, terrified and impressed by the surrender of the mermaid glass. How you be feeling, then? Unburdened. Well, do you be feeling unlucky? Copper considers the question and seems confused by it. Um, well, do you be feeling unlucky or do you not? Well, I, I can't be certain. You don't look unlucky. That's true. It's really true. And it is true. You can see it. A glimmer in his eye. A little bit of hope that wasn't there before. And yeah, I can hear you thinking, how do you see hope? Well, it looks different in every context. But you know it when you see it. And all of the orphans see it in Copper. Even Gruff. And he wants a little taste of that hope, too. Might ye be knowing the name, Gretchen? I do know someone that goes by that name. Huh. And, uh... What do you be knowing about her? The babbling brook's waters go still, as placid and stagnant as a pond during a drought. Oi! Oi, what's, what's the problem? Does Gretchen not make for enough good conversation? There's much to say about Gretchen Hexenkampf, but none of it is good. She lives east of here in a castle that looks like it was made of rotten teeth. <laughs> she keeps company with goblins, and she has in her employ a fool called Snook. And you know you're getting close to her castle when you hear the screams and bleats of goats. <laughs> did, did you say goats? Dozens of goats. Maybe more. What about fairies? What about them, hmm? Are there fairies around her castle? Fairies have better sense than to be flitting about the likes of Gretchen Hexenkampf. She's just a woman. How bad could she be? Just a woman? No, my dear. <laughs> Gretchen Hexenkampf is no woman. Don't you know? She's a witch. Hazel turns to her orphan brothers, thinking aloud, following the trail of breadcrumbed clues. The goblins had fairy dust, but no fairy. So they must be getting the fairy dust from this Gretchen Hexenkampf. Hmm. Is that where we be headed, then? Hazel nods. Gruff reaches into the collar of his shirt, and he rips off the mermaid comb of bones that hangs from the kinked silver chain around his own neck. Will you be liking a second conversation piece to go with your first? Oh, I would. I very much would. Well, it be yours, if you be ushering my mateys and me to the castle of Gretchen Hexenkopf. The babbling brook ripples all over her nerves twitching and shuddering throughout the body of her waters. The prospect of nearing Gretchen's castle, like, well, like a bucket of ice water down her back. Well? I'll take you as far as the first cry of a goat. After that, you'll have to walk. Gruff hands over the comb of bones, and he does indeed feel unburdened, like Copper. Thank you, Copper. Thank you, Gruff. Huh. No thanks be needed. The gratitude of a maid is as much good luck as any mermaid trifle. Oi, 
Suddenly, a small boat crafted to resemble an albatross breaks the waters of the babbling brook. Aha! This should accommodate everyone. <laughs> they pile into the raft, and the babbling brook's waters swell as she floats the orphans toward the castle of the witch, Gretchen Hexenkopf. Thanks for listening. On the next episode, Snook the Fool. In the meantime, get busy turning your life into a conversation piece. A conversation worth having. And really, that's a simple thing. All you need is an adventurous spirit, a big heart, and occasionally, a pair of bolt cutters. <laughs>